What's happening, everybody? Welcome to episode 45 of Stick to Hockey Live. It's our first, the inaugural. Oh, you broke your cherry. It's the Flyers Fan Forum. And we've got three guests that will join us in just a moment. Flyer fans, we're going to have a very uh, impactful conversation. The reason why I did this, I, I, I've been wanting to do this for a while, especially this year, um, because of where the team is and um, I know a lot of people get to get their point across and their opinions across on social media, but social media is so limiting and so much left up for interpretation. The spoken word is usually much better. So we're going to get to that in just a moment. Um, let me tell everybody about Conquerville Subaru and something else I got to mention before we start as well. Um, Conquerville Subaru, fantastic dealership on Route 202 in Glen Mills. I bought my first car there back in 1989. Oh my goodness, I drove it to the ground and many cars since. And my son still chomping at the bit to get there, but he's got the permit, not the license. So Conquerville Subaru, it's Conquerville Cares, but why do they say that? Well, it's not just a saying. It's because they actually do. Uh, they were the first Subaru Nation Love Promise dealer of the year winner back in 2015. They got uh, eight years supporting the Namor Children's Hospital of Delaware. They've got 10 years supporting La Humanidad Hispania, uh, donating coats in Kennett Square. Also, the 15 classrooms that they adopt every year at Marcus Hook Elementary School. Uh, providing $500 each for classroom supplies that the teachers get to pick. It's a fantastic dealership, and they do great work in the community. So you got to get down there, check out all the certified pre-owned inventory on the lot, all the new Subaru vehicles on the lot. They're sensational. Take one for a test drive. Check out the service department when you're there as well. Get a free car wash with every visit. So you got to see the facilities, meet the people. As great as they are as a dealership, they're they're even better in the work they do in the community. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com. Check out, check them out on Route 202 in Glen Mills, and remember that Conquerville cares. Also, before we get started, I just want to mention this because I see this news coming down today that um, Vox Media and uh, I guess it's SB Nation um, had a ton of layoffs today, and I know that that affects uh, everybody over at Broad Street Hockey in a big way. Apparently, um, I don't know what the future is. I don't know if they know what their future is at this point, but. Um, no matter what you feel about anybody, I like the people at Broad Street Hockey. I think they do a good job. Um, it sucks to see people lose their livelihood and lose this avenue because ultimately it's created and consumed by the fans. So um, I don't know where it's going to go, but uh, I, I hope the best for them. So very sorry to hear that news uh, coming up today. I saw that on Twitter this morning. Let's get to our Flyers fan forum. Let's bring in our guest right now. We've got three gentlemen. Not young gentlemen, I will say. We've got Dan Marcus. We've got Mitchell M. and Brian. Brian, is it Satino? It is. You nailed it, Jay. Oh, my goodness. I thought I would fuck that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, so what's going on, boys? Uh, you know, let's kind of go around the room here. We'll start with Danny. Dan, you know, you and I go back and forth quite a bit through DM. And you're like uh, the brother I've never met. And we debate and we talk about all kinds of different things when it comes to hockey and the Flyers. Uh, what, what got you into this whole mess? Well, Jace, before we start, I, I just wanted to thank uh, you for hosting this. Uh, you, know, you know, talking on behalf of Flyer fans everywhere, you're, you're so accessible. I sometimes feel that your, uh, your Flyer daily sessions are like therapy sessions for the fan base. Uh, and the fact that you're doing this and you DM with us, it's really, it's really terrific. So I wanted to just start out by thanking you uh, on behalf of everybody here. Thank you. Uh, well, I'll just quickly, briefly introduce myself in terms of my Flyer fandom. Uh, full disclosure, I grew up, uh, I'm, I'm not in the market, actually. I'm a, uh, originally a Long Islander, and now I live in northern New Jersey. But my entrance was quite some time ago. Jason, like you, I'm a uh, goalie nerd. And back in the day, they had, a, they had a pretty good goalie named Bernie Perrant. So Bernie drew me in. Uh, their cool Halloween colors for a, a young kid was pretty cool as well. And, of course, just loving the way they played, the way they stuck up for one another, their honest play. They had a passionate owner. Uh, I've never seen you know, a guy like Bobby Clark energize a fan base uh, or a game the way he did. So I start back then, and I remain a Flyer fan today. Nice. Mitchell, what about you? Yeah, so uh... – I'm also out of market now. I grew up, uh, you know, outside of Philly. Now I live in Pittsburgh, so the other side of the state, which is a lot of fun. Um, but I got into hockey. You know, I have to give a lot of credit to my dad. You know, he grew up playing, and uh, I grew up watching him play and started playing myself. So just being around the area, um, you know, really started following the Flyers. And, you know, my dad took me to all the games and all that kind of jazz. My first, you know, 
memory as a Flyers fan is like the one that really cemented it was driving home, listening on the radio to the Flyers Ottawa Senators game where there were all the penalties and all the fights. We were we were speeding home, you know, so we could get to the TV. My sisters were watching something. We tossed them off and and watched that. And I was just watching that, you know, thinking to myself, this is awesome, you know, like I'm 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 in this for the long haul. And uh ups and downs which there have been plenty of over the past couple of years but you know now i i rep my guys out in pittsburgh pretty strongly and i take some heat for it but you know that's part of the part of the game yeah it's not an easy time to do it out there in pittsburgh for the last bunch yeah. of years you gotta you gotta deal here the uh listen to that mark madden douchebag <laughs> you know i i don't listen to him at all i i refuse to to give him the energy you know he i've seen some of his takes and some of his the things he said about flyers and i'm just like i don't even need to to do it he's a slob um <laughs> let's go brian brian what about you yeah so mitchell actually i was at that senators game um Were you? when i was one of the craziest uh craziest environments i've ever been in but um Similar Five to Mitchell. minutes left in the third. We'll be home by ten thirty. It was <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, it was. It was like uh, an hour and a half to just get through that last four minutes in that game. Yeah. It was wild. Um, but yeah, uh, so similar to Mitchell, my dad actually got me into into hockey. He played growing up in the you know in the bullies era, um, and then my brother and I started playing street hockey and things like that when I was around eight, and that just so happened to coincide uh, with around ninety two, ninety three when. Um, you know, Lindros came into the market. So, um, you know, it was kind of the era when, um, you know, there weren't as many devices sitting around. So when it was seven o'clock in the house, dad controlled the TV and the flyers went on. So like it or not, that's what you were watching. And um, getting to watch Lindros and those teams, that's that's what really kind of cemented it for me. And it didn't hurt that they were consistently one of the best five teams in the league in that era. So I was a little bit spoiled with my entry into uh, into my fandom. Yeah, it's interesting because Lindros was such a spectacle. I think he brought a lot of fans to the table because yeah. whenever he stepped on the ice, like you couldn't not watch him. It yeah. was like, look at this. I mean, he's so big, so skilled. I, I can't imagine if he played in the league today because I think he'd be suspended all the time. They would assume hits were dirty because he was so strong, um, yeah. which which kind of brings us is a great transition to bring us to really our first topic here which is the current state of the team in the franchise. And, you know, you mentioned Lindros, Brian, and, yeah, you know, he was generational talent. He was a guy that – a superstar, elite talent. And that's the thing that this team seems to lack. So let's start with you, Brian, here. Since you brought up Lindros, you get the, the first bat at it. But the current state of the team, when you look at it and you look at what they do have, what they have coming, and some draft capital and other things, you know, wh- how do you kind of assess the – the state of the flyers at this current moment. Yeah. I don't think it's as dire Jason as some people um, make it out to be. I don't think it's great. Um, you know, there seemed to be a little bit over the past year, um, too many changings of direction with what they wanted to do too many mixed messages. Um, you know, that's just us as, as fans, Jason, you say it all the time, you know, don't listen to what they say, look at what they do. Um yeah. But it, it has been, you know, the shift a few times here has been a little bit unnerving as a fan because you don't really see the path forward. Um, you know, we've been one of the worst teams in the league for a couple of years now, and then one of the more mediocre teams in the league for about a decade now. And it almost seems like the path right now is from worser team in the league back to this path of mediocrity. With that said, I don't think there isn't a way out here. Uh, and I, I think, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, you know, what would we, what would we suggest doing to improve things? But I don't think it's as dire as some people think. I just think there needs to be some creativity in what happens over the next, let's just say 18 months here from now until the end of next season uh, into, you know, 2024 draft to really kind of get this ship righted where we're not going through an eight, 10 year rebuild. Um, but we're also not going through a one, two year retool but four or five years from now, you know, we're back on, you know, we're through those four or five years, we're on the path to respectability and then contending again at the end of that. Mitchell, you're in Pittsburgh, you know, you see the penguins, they've managed to keep the window open. I don't know how I've been, we've all been calling for their demise for a long time. It hasn't happened. Uh, Hextall goes there and he, you know, resigns Malkin, resigns Latang, 
and acquires Carter and extends him. You know, you see what's happening there. We all see it, and we all kind of go, can this thing end already? But as long as they have Crosby, I think they're going to keep pushing. Uh, what, what's your view kind of on the state of the franchise? Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with, you know, it's not as dire as it seems, you know. I think this year a couple of the younger guys took some necessary steps, and that makes me feel a little better. I mean, we're sitting in this – it seems like we're sitting in this 6-10 to 10 draft spot, right? And and I don't know if that's where we want to be, but, you know, there's there's got to be some changes made, I think. Um, and I think you also hit the nail on the head with the, the no clear direction. It seems like there's been a lot of mixed signals. You know, I feel like I'm uh, in high school again with girls with how many mixed signals we're getting. Right. Um, so, so, you know, what I, what I really want is just a clear plan. And I, I think some changes need to be made first and then that plan can be enacted. Um, but as a fan, you know, I've had a lot of friends that are, you know, the semi fans that come in when they're good and go out when they're bad. And, and I, I, I've been saying for years that, you know, we're, we're only a couple of years away. Right. And I feel like a lot of us have been saying that. And, uh, you know, it's tough to see these, these guys come and go, but, you know, I'm sticking through it, but, you know, I think we're less of a time frame, a shorter time frame than what we thought, you know, to being at least competitive, but I don't want to be just competitive. I want to be, you know, one of the, one of the top teams. You see some of these teams at the top every year, Boston and Tampa, Colorado for the past couple of years, I would like to be there again. So, you know, I think there's some changes that need to be made. I've said that a couple of times, but um, I don't, I agree. I don't think it's as dire as what you see on Twitter and Facebook and that sort of thing. So it's not scorched earth, Danny. You know, you look at it and, you know, the pandemic probably, you know, skewed some thinking in a lot of ways. And that 1920 season under AV uh, gave people a lot of hope. I mean, they have that second half of that season. They go to the playoffs, whatever. They win that number one seed in that little round robin. That was stupid. But um, and then it went in a round of the playoffs, going to seven against the Islanders, even though the Islanders really controlled them. Um, but it turns out that we thought that that maybe they were closer to that team and some, some moves could get them back there, but that hasn't been the case. That looked like an outlier. So what do you got on the state of the franchise? Hey, uh, well, guys, um, I'm going to be a little, uh, I think a little, little harsher here. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned Lindros, which it was a spectacular time. I think before Lindros came to Philadelphia, they, they missed the playoffs five consecutive years, which they'd never done before. Including uh, his first, I think two years. Uh, that's right, uh, Jace. That's very good. Um, uh, guys, I would say that I, I'm in agreement with what you said, but the, the, my main problem is you guys have heard the term a fish stinks from its head. Uh, I have zero faith in this ownership group, in this front office, in this general manager. I want a new owner. I want a new front office. I want a new GM. I don't trust this GM to do anything. He's inept. So until that changes, I have little to no hope that this will turn around because I don't trust him to do it. Uh, you might ask, Jace, you know, who, who should be in there? I don't know if we want to get into that now, but, you know, we need to get it. We need to get a high functioning assistant GM in a big program like a what a Patrick a Pat Verbeek did or, or an Eric Tulsky in Carolina or what Tom Fitzgerald now is doing now in Jersey, where he he was an assistant GM under a successful program elsewhere. Until the head changes, nothing will change. So you think it's just basically the team going to be spinning, uh, picking a direction based on a spinning wheel, basically? Yeah, the, the mushy middle, Jace, they've also made it clear that the business side, you know, they're not they're not getting playoff gates, and they're gonna they're gonna do the throwback nights. They're gonna do the Villy Leno stuff and the milkshakes. They'll make money, but they're no longer um, marketing to people like me who want one thing, a Wait. Stanley Cup. They're not marketing to people the assembly room, have a good time. They're no longer marketing to old old guys like me and you, Jay. Sorry to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I am old. You're right. <laughs> but uh, but not, so I, I, the hope for me is incredibly bleak unless something has changed drastically at the top. Uh, that's not even Danny Briere to me either. So that's that's my view. 
Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of teams. You, you saw what Florida did in hiring Bill Zito, who was a former agent and was an assistant GM in Columbus under Garmin Kekalainen. And you see the hiring of Ken Hughes in Montreal, another yeah. former agent. I think the former agent thing is really interesting because I think the league is, you know, in a salary cap league, right. how you pay players. I don't think anybody knows player value better than agents, <laughs> even though they try to inflate their players' value, of course. Um, but they know that game better than anyone. I always think that that angle is very interesting. Um, but, you know, when it comes to marketing to certain groups, every, you know, every business does that. It's it's annoying because they don't market to the people that keep the lights on. They market to the people they want to add. Right. You know, it's, it's the, you know, hey, let's have the early bird special um, so that we can get more people that usually aren't our customers to come in or, right. uh, you know, in a, a it happens in all kinds of businesses, you know, the regulars at the bar, you know, they're there every day. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, dollar drinks, they're there every day, but they're trying to bring all these other people. And then it crowds out the regulars. Jason, great analogy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, when you look at what they have to do from a drafting standpoint, Brent Flair's the guy that runs the draft. He's kind of connected at the hip with Chuck Fletcher. And he's a guy that when you look at Minnesota, a lot of what, you know, Minnesota has is basically the work that, that Brent and Chuck did there. Um, how have you guys kind of looked at the drafting of the team? We'll start with you, Mitchell, because, you know, drafting and developing are, are a huge part. You look at a team like Tampa, Kucherov taking, you know, 58th, uh, Braden Point taken, I think, 79th. Um, those were great finds. Steve Eiserman was there when that happened. Um, they drafted those guys, got them developed. I don't know how much developing Kucherov needed, but maybe Point did. Um, but, when you look at it, what about the drafting of this team, you know, with guys like Cutter Gauthier and, you know, other guys in the system, Cam York, we go back, we look at the call field, you know, double, double skip on him. Um, what have you guys thought of the drafting Mitchell? Yeah, I think the drafting has been all right. I don't, I'm, I'm not thrilled with it. I'm not completely, you know, entirely disappointed with it. I mean, I understand that we, needed to replenish some of the defensive prospects when we took York, I think in the first round. And, and I feel like you hear this all the time, but in the first round, the, the higher end rounds, you want to draft on talent. You take the best player available. And I don't think we necessarily did that. I mean, Caulfield's got 20 plus goals so far this year. He's, you know, he's killing it and, and he's been on an upward trend, you know, and, and we look at York and York's, you, you know, He's he's impressed me too, you know, for what he's been allotted for. Yeah, it takes um, a D longer than it takes a winger too, right? To de- for sure. develop the NHL for sure. Um, so so I I do like what I've seen from York. I think he's impressed me at times. I think he's got a lot to learn, but you know, again, I agree. You know, it takes them longer, but you know, I still think some of that asset management that we've done, you know, using picks on players when when there were better players available trading some of the draft capital you know some of those moves that we've made don't really make sense we, we traded a couple picks with ghost to get rid of them and then we kind of replaced ghost with tda who you know very similar type player maybe a little bit more feistiness to him but we traded you know three picks i think for him so so a five pick swing to get a similar player that doesn't really make sense to me so the, the asset management there with draft capital has been confusing to me, to say the least. Um, hey, can we stick on Ghost for a second? Because let me ask you, yeah. you guys this about Ghost. Because he was waived. Nobody, as you guys know, I'm not a big Ghost fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you never made that clear before, Jason. No, I never <laughs> made He wasn't a fan of me either, apparently. Really, the feeling was mutual. Because when I was on the radio, I, after like his second year, I, I was pretty critical of him because I thought he was a guy that was easy to adjust to. <laughs> He went out and had a 65-point season <laughs> but after that. Um, anyway, uh, certainly he's got great offensive game and instincts and, and execution there. The thing is, for him, is he a net positive player? Because, you know, he was he was waived here. Any team could have grabbed him for free. Nobody did. He was put on the trade market that offseason, basically for a sixth-round pick. Nobody traded for him. You had to sweeten it to send them somewhere. Yeah, he's in Arizona and he puts up decent numbers, but it's Arizona. It doesn't mean anything. That hockey doesn't mean much out there. So, like, when it comes to Ghost, and I get people didn't want to send out an asset with him. I mean, the other element of the equation with Ghost is it, three coaches went through him. Couldn't get him to play a team game at all. Right. I mean, from 
you know, the head, I'm not even just talking head coaches. I'm talking D coaches, Gore Murphy, um, you know, guys that have been in this game for a very, very long time, just couldn't get him to do the right things. I think Jason, it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, you know, attaching the assets to that was the wrong move. And and I do believe it was the wrong move to echo what Dan said earlier. I don't really have much faith in this, uh, this hockey ops department. Um, I think they did what they had to do, but I think they misread the room. I think that they kind of looked at the situation that the team was in. I believe that was coming out of the bubble when ghost got moved. Mm -hmm. Um, And they thought, all right, we're close. We can afford to give up some assets here because we're close and we can unload this guy and, you know, fill up, fill around elsewhere. Uh, Whereas I almost yeah, it was think, flat cap too, so you had to consider I can fill that role with a lesser salary. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Flat cap, so flat cap's a huge part of it, but and, and that kind of leads into what I'm going to say here, which is, um, it would have been, it would have made just as much sense, I think, to eat money on him uh, instead of attaching assets to it. Mm-hmm. I get why they didn't because they thought they were close, and obviously with the flat cap, that was so you know any bit of space was so valuable. So if you get an extra two, you know, two million on, say you eat fifty, I think he was making four and a half. Yeah, but you know, you get another two and a quarter, um, but you still have two and a quarter tied up. Yeah, that that's a little, um, that's a little bit of a, a deterrent to making that move. I think that the bubble was, you know, that season was a bit of smoke and mirrors, which led them to believe. They were closer than they actually were. And again, in hindsight, I think you can make the same trade without attaching the assets and just eat the money. And you know, problem is if you're eating the money, now you're eating up part of your cap on flat cap and you're trying to push to get better. Right. You're trying to push to get better. But that's what I mean by reading the room is seeing like your window wasn't opening. Your window actually was was slamming shut at that point. Drew and and Voracek and those guys who, who I'd loved, but it, just, see, I disagree with that. Based on that season, I mean, they were, if you look at the underlying numbers and everything, they were a legit team that year under AV. I, I don't think that I would have read the room that way either. I, I looked at it and said, I would have said, we got a good team, we got a good coach. And then for some reason, it after the bubble, it just, the fucking floor fell out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just no way to pre- predict that, I guess. Yeah. But, and it's like I said, it's all hindsight. Um, yeah. I don't hate the ghost trade. Um yeah, we should. I don't even know why we're spending some time on that. That's probably <laughs> my fault. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, you look at some of the moves to, to you guys' point, though. And, and Danny, you know, you look at some of the moves that they've made and they have attached assets to them. Or, you know, the other part of the equation when it comes to building a team is deciding to what to do with guys when their, their contracts are up, either RFA or to restricted free agents. And when you have a team that's, you know, been down for multiple seasons now in a big way. It's not just a little off, it's way off. Um, and then you're extending guys that are part of that group. That's a problem that people have. I remember going back to the one year they extended Lawton at the deadline. And pe- there was a lot of people critical of that. Um, my thought on that was that's a, that it wasn't a big signing for big money and the cost per replacement would have been much higher. So I was okay with that. But there's other ones like obviously Ristolainen and you can look at Sandheim this year and others that you kind of scratch your head at and go, yeah, why why did they extend guys that were part of you know a team that didn't get it done? James, can I, I can I can respond to that one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I took a couple of notes here. You know, if if Couturier, um, Sandheim, and Lawton, you know, it, it complete their current contracts, they they will have spent 18, 14, and twelve years as Flyers. Bobby Clark spent 15 years as a flyer. He's obviously a two-time Stanley Cup champion, Hall of Famer. Why do they feel the need to extend, in all due respect, average players, bottom six type players, second, when we all know they need You're not suggesting Couturier is that, are you? Well, Jace, you and I will take this up at some other time. I was not a fan of the extension, and you and I have gone back and forth on that. Mm -hmm. We won't get into that here. Couturier is a fine player. But still, I, I I don't see the need why, when we need high end talent, we're extending average players. That, that that's the point I'm trying to make. But you, but you're not insinuating that he's an average player. Uh, I it sounds like it's, you I'm in, uh, <laughs> you you Jace you uh, value Kateri more than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can we'll leave it at that now. I, I don't think he's a legit number one center. I think he's a decent two center, and we've 
and we don't have a number one center. And we've extended. Yeah, ideally, I guess your number one center is that dynamic, really. That's right. Out. He's not a dynamic player. No, he's not. And, 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 the yeah. real, and the real question is, how do we, and again, I don't trust this general manager to do it at all. How do we, with this mismanagement of the cap, acquire that high-end talent? I, that, that's the question for the group. And I, I, I'd love to hear the answers because I don't have the first clue. And I don't think Chuck Fletcher does either. Yeah, I don't, it's a really hard question because, you know, most teams, when you have high-end talent, you're not looking to get rid of it. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. It, it's it's the one thing, you know, getting game breakers is, is a difficult thing because you, you spend so much time, and if you're bad, you want to come out of being bad with one, and then you're certainly not going to trade it and put yourself back in that position. So it is hard to get. I mean, maybe you can find the rare hockey trade where, you know, a team – is constructed poorly, maybe like a, a Toronto. I look at you like go, you love you love Marner, right? Yeah, I love Marner because right. I don't think you can get Matthews, but they don't right. trade Marner because they don't know if they're extending Matthews at this point. You know, uh, so th- there's those elements to it. Um, how do you get it? You got to draft it and develop it. And you know, the best case scenario, obviously, is to draft at the top of the draft because that's you know the, that's where the higher pedigree players are. It's not to say it's a guarantee. Pasternak was taken 25th, right? There's other play- I just brought up Braden Point taking 79th and Kucherov 58th. You know, there you can find those. I mean, Joe Pavelski was taken in the seventh round. Now that's the three draft. That's like Chase, where, 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 where are our guys like that? What guy have we done that with? I, I don't, I can't think Drew. of any. Well, Not Drew. since Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Drew was a first rounder, guys. He was a first round pick. Yeah, but he was, he wasn't a high first round pick. He was, he was like the 20s. Yeah. 20s. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't projected to become the player that he what became. Fair, fair, and, fair. and that's, you know, people didn't see him that way because maybe because of the skating. But the one thing they couldn't see real well when he was playing uh, in junior was just the insane hockey IQ <laughs> was like right. just off. That's why he's still able to do it now, even though he's lost a step. Correct. His brain makes up for running. His body is lost. Um, so, yeah, where do you get it? That's the question. You know, Cutter Gauthier is a guy. He's having a great year at BC, but it, you know. There's a lot to prove there, obviously. I wouldn't mind if he went back to college. I don't want people to think that, oh, it was the wrong pick if he went back to college. Owen Power went back to college. A lot of guys go back to college for a second year. Um, but how they get that is is going to be, I think, the biggest key. And you can't just go, it's not the old NHL where you can just go buy your way out. You know, the interesting, let's, let's talk about, you know, the approach going into this year because they hired Tortorella. And everybody said Torch is going to have them playing hard. They're going to screw up their draft position. And some people look at it now. There's there's a conflict with a lot of fans that they're winning too much in their draft position in a draft with Bedard and Fantilli and Meechkoff and Leo Carlson on down the line that you got these great players and they have a real good opportunity to miss out on that. Um, you know, how do you guys feel about the, the notion of tanking? Because I went through it on Flyers Daily, maybe even here um, yesterday. You know, only one first overall pick since uh, 08 has won a cup, and that's Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. No other team has won a cup. Tavares all the way down through Slavkowski last year. Um, there was a run there about five years in a row where they all did with Stamkos and Crosby and Ovechkin, even Eric Johnson. So um, how do you guys feel about Let's start with you, uh, Bri. Um, how do you feel about the team winning some games right now? Yeah, so – uh, heading into the season, Jason, um, I, I wasn't thrilled with the Tortorella hire. I thought just what, you know, just what you said, he was going to get them to be just good enough to be out of that realm of picking one of those, uh, generational talent. I sh- Who I did you want, by all- the way? What's that? Who did you want them to hire? Uh, I really liked Monty and Boston, obviously they're doing great mm-hmm. with him. So we probably would have ended up in the same spot. Um, you know, winning a little bit more than, than we thought. He's uh, a good coach. He's, he's a really, a really good, coach. good coach. He's yeah. a really, really good coach. Um, that said, you know, as the season's gone on here, um, I've kind of fallen in love a little bit with the idea of Tortorella. I think, um, I, I don't think Tortorella is the coach that you win the cup with. Um, I think he is the guy that bridges you to that. I think he's the guy that sets the standard for the team and, and how to play. But then the tricky part is you have to have the front office in place after that that can get creative enough to find high-end talent. So we talk about assets a lot. Um, and, and most of the time when we talk about assets, we're talking about prospects or, or draft picks. 
But if you think about the way this team's currently constructed and the steps that some of these guys have taken this year, Tortorella is building assets. You know, that mm-hmm. by my count, there are seven, if we're going to count Cates and Hayes as wingers, there are seven or eight guys on this team that are middle six wingers and good middle six wingers at that. Those are the guys that the Toronto's of the world need. And so you're building these assets. There's seven or eight middle six wingers on this team for four spots, not to mention Godier coming who, you know, he could be a winger. He could be a center. And then you have Forrester down in the AHL. So Tortorella's been and Brink. And Brink. I forgot about Brink. Yeah. Right. Tortorella's teaching these guys to play the game the right way. And while that's getting them to be just good enough to not get, you know, one of these top five picks in this year's draft, you are positioning yourself to have these assets on the NHL roster that in the event that a high-end talent player becomes available, they're in that rare situation where they have a bevy of NHL-ready, solid middle six players that they can attach to picks to get that high-end talent in. When the Debrinket becomes available, or, you know, if it's Brock Besner, you know, players like that. Besner, I don't know, is a high end, but he's got he's got ceiling there. He's got floor middle six, so maybe that's just another one of those guys. But I think there's a path forward with what Tortorella is doing to find that. You just need a front office that's going to be creative enough to do it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can use those pieces. And what I think what this season has been, Mitchell, has been, you know, reestablishing value in NHL pieces. And while you don't have high end guys, you do, you're right. I totally agree. You're right. You have a ton of guys that they, they they will have a team that has all the pieces except the high end talent if they didn't acquire it. The, the makings of a really good playoff team, with the exception of that elite talent. Right. And some teams have the elite talent, but they don't have all that other stuff. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> they just don't have it. And so you know, you look at it. And, you know, Mitch, were you in favor of the Torts hire? Were you a guy that wanted him or Trotz or Monty? I, I remember mentioning Monty, and a lot of people told me I was an idiot. That, and I was like, well, he's a good coach. And they're like, yeah, that'd be just another retread. I mean, look what the guy's doing in Boston. Yeah, he's got a good team. But where were you for hiring a coach, and where are you now on Torts? Does your opinion change? Yeah, uh, I was for it then, and I am still for it. I, I, I loved the hire. Um, because I think you guys are exactly right. It's about building the foundation and the morals and, and the, you know, the culture of, of what we've been lacking for like the past decade or so, you know, my dad, uh, always says like, man, like these games are just boring to watch. And for a lot of years there, he was spot on because they were boring to watch. No one was, you know, out Low there event hockey. Yep. yeah, a hundred percent. And I do feel like this year there's there's been games, you know, maybe towards the beginning it was still a little bit like that. But, man, like the, the past couple weeks, you know, the past month or so, they've they've been battling, which is what, you know, I like. And you know, as a player, I was like a battler. I was a small little guy, but I was still like – Because you can respect fighting. that. Right. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I loved the hire at first, and, and I think he's done – everything that that I kind of wanted him to do in establishing some of that culture, you know, holding guys, both veteran and younger guys accountable and making sure that everyone's kind of on the same page. I, you know, it does kind of stink that we're playing our way out of, you know, one of those top end draft picks. I mean, hopefully, you know, the lottery would be awesome if we can, you know, move up a couple or whatever, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the culture is, is kind of the most important thing because you can have a team, of good players. I mean, you still want that high end talent, but you can still have a team of, of good players that can do some damage and, and eventually win something if they're all playing the right way. Cause it's not just a one, you know, one guy sport. It is a team sport. You do need that high end talent, but yeah. the culture is going to be the thing that, that takes you to that, that top. I mean, you saw it last year with, with the avalanche, Nathan McKinnon set that culture. Cause you hear about how much work he does and how, he holds everyone accountable. Right. Right. So, so and a having, coach that was on the same page with him in Bednar. Right. Huge. Yeah. Yep. And, and he seems Massive. like a you know, really good cat, uh, coach there. Um, so, so that culture to me is just everything. I think that that's huge. And I think he's building that, which I think is important because we can, we can add players in, but without the culture, a high end talent player isn't going to be able to do, you know, anything. Yeah. Some people say, Danny, culture, schmulcher. 
give me give me skill and that'll win, but it doesn't. I mean, look at Edmonton. They got two of the best players on planet Earth and McDavid and Dreisaitl, sure. and they're in danger of not making the playoffs again. And the culture there for so long was after, what, five winning of the lottery from having Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Nail Yakupov and right. uh, obviously McDavid in 15, getting Dreisaitl high in the draft but not the top spot. And it hasn't led them to anywhere. It's it's astounding. Well, you, you guys, uh, Brian, you made a great point about you know you guys made some great points about Tortorella and about how he's making a lot of these uh, young kids better. So uh, I, I won't repeat all that. But uh, you know, I, I've been a and Jason. I know you were a fan of hiring him. Uh, I've I mentioned loved- him on the pregame broadcast. Yeah, the, the when they played the Colorado Avalanche because he was fired <laughs> the, the that morning after the seven one loss against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning on that Sunday night. Yeah, I I guess I, I, I can see both sides. I'm a little conflicted. You know, I'm here in New York, so I watched him and Larry Brooks go at it for years up here. And I was a guy, guys, just so you know, that when he was in Columbus, if I saw Columbus blew a late lead, I'd run to my phone to watch the post-game press conference to see how out of control he was. So I've always had a fascination with Tortorella and the media, which is a – whole separate subject, but I, I like, they're more competitive. They're more interesting. No, no question about it. He doesn't care who you are. He sits guys. He's a no BS kind of guy, uh, you know, but then there's the other side of what you guys covered about where now we, we remain in the mushy middle and we remain uh, without high end talent. So uh, I'm a little conflicted by it, by the hire. Uh, who would you want to I can jump in. I just think that, you know, to, to that point, um, that mushy middle, like, again, you just have to be creative to get out of it. Like they were not in the mushy middle in 2007, they were in the cellar. And then of course we don't get Patrick Kane, but you had a general manager who I don't think gets enough credit in Paul Holmgren. I agree. That had maybe one of the most creative, if not the most creative, not just off season, but in season, uh, you know, that second half of that season, they got Marty Baron. They flipped Forsberg for assets that turned into Hartnell and um, Timonen. Iran kind of turns into Briere too. Exactly. So it's the recruitment. You just need that creativity to get out of the mushy middle, and it's not easy, but it it's possible. We've seen it. Well, Brian, with all due respect, that Holmgren thing was before the salary cap, so that's no, that was cap. No, that's salary cap. That's well, salary okay. Cap I, I, yeah, that's I, early, I, I, early salary. Okay, cap. I stand. I stand. Yeah, salary cap came in after the lockout or before. Fair enough, guys. Uh, I'll say this though: I have, I have zero confidence this GM has any kind of a, any kind of creativity to do that. Yeah, and we agree I, on that, Dan. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope and pray I'm wrong, and you guys can play this for me later on when we're uh, attending a Stanley Cup parade. <laughs> but no, you're right. I mean, they uh, you know they trade Forsberg for the rights, um, or not Forsberg? Who did they? How did they get Forsberg the rights? Forsberg went for to... Perron and picks, right? Yeah, and then they traded no, Perron went pick. with Forsberg. Scotty Upshaw was part of that too, I think. Yeah. And they traded it back to Nashville to get the rights to team in and Hartnell. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and yes. now you've got your core because you drafted Gagne and developed him. And then you get Briere. And then you have team in Hartnell. You have your anchor on the blue line. Then you add to that. I mean, he also put off the deal to get Pronger. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a shame that Pronger, the injury happened and that did derailed his career and ended it way early because they could have used more Chris Pronger for more years but i mean that was that i remember the draft night deal that was made lucas pisa the first and everything that went and it was like i was on the air at wip at the time and i got a text a call from zach hill and he's like hey we just traded for chris pronger you want him on the air and i'm like hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh it was i mean you look at some of those teams and those teams were always competitive and they were always pushing at, at that time to to make some big shit happen and yep. most often they did. I mean, you can look at 2010 as an outlier. That was a really good team under Lavi. Once Lavi came in and got it straightened out. Dan, who did you want them to hire as the coach? You know, uh, you know, Trotz would have been great. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Montgomery's fine. I'm not a huge coaching guy. You know, I'm more, as you guys can tell now, focused on the, on the front office piece. But yeah. Tortorella's done a great job, guys. They're competing way harder. They're in games now. He, he's done his job. Yeah, I think you made a good point too, Bri, about he might – I don't know if he's the guy. He's won a cup, obviously. Um, everywhere he's been, he has taken over – usually when a new coach comes in, the team's probably not very good because he got fired. It's not a situation like Quenville to 
um, you know, last year in Florida and then, you know, handing off a president's trophy winning team to Andrew Burnett, who ended up getting fired anyway. But you look at it and you go everywhere he's been, it's been this process of finding out who's who and what's what, keeping the guys building on it. And he's a guy that rides a GM very hard. He makes it very clear what he wants, what he needs. So um, that's part of the equation as well. So let's talk about some of those young guys. And I want to start with one of the most polarizing guys and start with you, Mitchell, because he's playing good of late, no doubt about it. And it's Morgan Frost. Um, But I mean, if you pay attention to social media and I know you guys do, I mean, you see, and maybe you've tweeted it. If people say, get rid of him, he stinks. He's never going to be any good. The, the arc of development of a hockey player is never a straight line and it doesn't match anyone else's. Um, He's starting to play really well now. And you see that skill that's there to pull off that goal the other night with both feet below the goal line in that spot. It's a crazy goal um, that shows you a confident player. Uh, He's got to do it for much longer. I mean, this is a small sample size where he's been playing well. But what are you thinking of guys like Frost, Tippett uh, in particular? Yeah, uh, Frost Frost is polarizing for sure, right? We, we, We were all hype on him as he was coming into the league. I mean, if you looked at his numbers in juniors, it it mirrored Drew's very similarly, right? And I'm not comparing that, but those numbers were there kind of similar to that. And then things kind of got derailed by COVID, right? You know, he had a a rocky couple years there, not being able to really develop. And I think that hurts him. I think a lot of those guys in that, in that age range, you know, lost some development and, and they're trying to catch up now, which I think we're seeing. You're absolutely right. I think I think we need to see that more consistent. You know, I think I think you've said it, you know, confidence is so huge for a creative player like that. Um, and he's confident right now and he's producing and it's awesome to see because it makes us feel a little bit better about talking him up a while ago. Um, so I think the consistency is just where it needs to to come in. He's got to build some of that resilience that, you know, that mental resilience in when something doesn't go as where he has a couple bad games that he can, you know, turn it around quicker and, and not go into those large, you know, slumps that he he's been, you know, that he's done a couple of times. Um, you know, a lot of those younger players kind of do that. Right. Uh, Tippett, you know, is a little streaky right now, but he's been playing pretty good as of late, you know, pretty positively confident using his body, driving the net. Um, York, I think, I think I mentioned him a couple of times already, but I think he's kind of that same way. Like when he's confident, he's doing it. Um, so I think a lot of the young guys have been playing pretty well recently and the, the, the confidence and, and the consistency is just where we need to to see because if they can remain at what they've been doing for the past month or two, I think we're we're in a pretty you know those guys are in a pretty solid spot to continue. Yeah, finding out who's who and what's what then is the big the big thing this year. Finding out what Tippett is, he comes in that Giroux trade and uh, you know didn't have a lot of NHL success down in Florida. Just couldn't break through there. There wasn't a spot for him to do so. Um, him being here now, he. I mean, to me, he looks like a player that has skills different than I thought. You know, he's such a good skater. I mm-hmm. mean, for a big frame guy, he can really fly up and down the ice. So what, what are you seeing with some of the young guys that we're trying to find out what they are at the NHL? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, and I am optimistic there. So I'm, not, I'm not completely negative, guys. But, you know, I'd say the four young guys that I have my you know eye on are uh, certainly Frost and Cates. Uh, York and Tippett. I mean, I think those guys are, are keepers. Um, you know, guys, you know, Morgan Frost is a particularly interesting case. I'm not necessarily a fan, but again, if you watch the last couple of games here, I mean, there's no question that kids got high end talent, which is what we obviously need. I, I would hate to paint the scenario guys where they don't resign this kid. They let him walk and he finds his game somewhere else. Flyers Twitter will collapse. Yeah. So I I, I I don't know if if not signing him is a great deal. Uh, I, I don't think, think that's in the cards at all. I don't think that could. It, I mean, you're not going to just not sign him. I mean, you would right. Him. right, right, right. So so I, I do see you know, some of the kids, the progression under torts being encouraging for sure. Yeah, it, it's definitely been a step forward for a lot of those guys. Um, you know, Brian, when you look at it, you know, we t- you talked about it. You, some of those guys may be used as as assets, you know, guys, ways to pull in other guys because they're so young in their career. They're not making a lot of money and teams that 
I got a ton allocated up front. Maybe that's the way to pry a piece loose. Yeah, I mean, you you look at a guy like Tip, and he, you know, his his floor is probably a third line winger, um, and I'd say Ceiling's probably a second line winger. I don't think he's a first line guy, but that is an extremely valuable player. Um, you know, and then it, you know, even the more veteran guys like TK, um, who I'm not looking to trade, but his floor is a second line winger, and is what he's doing this year is that smoke and mirrors? Is that who he is? I tend to believe it's who he is, so that's a first line player. Um, you know, they're. There's talent there. There's there are guys that are taking steps forward. Um, you know, looking at <clears throat> looking at a guy like Frost, uh, I've seen enough this year that I'd want to give him another year to see what he does with you know another full year with Tortorella and this team under his belt. Can he be a three C in this league? Um, I don't know that he's proved that he can be yet. I don't know that the consistency has been there enough to be a three C in this league. Uh, he's not a fourth line player. Um, and does he still have second line ceiling? Uh, I'm not so sure about that anymore either, but you know, it goes a long way. If he can prove that he's a three C in this league, it goes a long way in ensuring up your roster down the middle because say Couturier comes back. And, uh, even if he's not quite the Sean Couturier of old, he's still a very, very good second line center. And then you could slot Kate's back who, by the way, I should say that guy's gotta be my favorite player on the team right now. He is so technically sound on the, on the ice. Oh. It, it's just, he doesn't Coach make mistakes. Yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. I've never seen anything, anything like him with a guy coming out of the NCAA wow. and playing like that. But then you can slot him back onto the wing. And then again, you have this dearth of wingers that you can really use to fill in the rest of your lineup, whether that's finding that high end talent or solidifying your blue line a little bit more. It, it's not, it's not all murky water ahead. There is a path here, and the development of these young guys is, has been – I'm not just saying that to you, Dan. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the path here is it, – it, it's there if, if you want to look hard enough. Yeah. Um, what about Carter Hart? What, what are we feeling about Carter Hart? Because, you know, th- that's that's the thing. You Well, Sam, well, Sam Harrison was sent down today, by the way, mm-hmm. um, because yes. Sandstrom's got to go through waivers and – uh, some people go, well, let him go through waivers. He gets plucked, who cares? Well, then all the, you know, Craig Grosnick's hurt down there too. You can't have enough goalie depth. You could be tapping on my shoulder soon to come and <laughs> play in the coast because somebody that doesn't belong in the AHL needs to go up. So, um, you know, the thought of trading Carter Hart to me is almost insane. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially in this market where the goalie thing has been like, you know, the the, the unicorn that we've been trying to find. and all of a sudden now you you've got a kid that as the team gets better around him, his numbers will get even better and better. And we know he's a good goalie. So Mitchell, where do you stand on heart and, and the goalie situation? Yeah, I, I stand it. Absolutely not. We're, we're, we're not moving Carter Hart unless, which I feel like I see this all the time and I don't know where it's coming from. David. <laughs> yeah. I see dry cycle all the mm-hmm. time. And, yes. and, and I don't know if they're, you know, I don't think that's real at all. If no. we could get Dreisaitl for a package with Carter Hart, I mean, I think I make that trade. But sure. outside of that, I don't think we we even mess with it. I think I think with what we've seen this year between Hart and Urson, I think we have our our tandem for for the next couple of years. I, I think that could be a really strong A B goalie. Um, you know, the people that you know went straight to let's trade Carter Hart for a guy that we've seen play five or six games is asinine to me, but, but I mean, it is exciting having someone, you know, having a young goalie come in and play the way that Urson did. He, he really played pretty soundly except for that first game, which I don't necessarily put all on him. Um, so, so that is really exciting, but I think we stand Pat with Carter Hart and, and we, we keep him here and we, but we got to support him, you know, like we, we got to give him the, the team in front of him, which we haven't done for his entire career so far. So that's the, the most important thing that we don't waste what we have in net right now, because I don't think he, a goalie comes along too often where, where he can steal a game like, like Carter can. Yeah. I don't think a, a heart Urson goalie, um, you know, tandem long-term is the, is the answer. I really don't. And here's why, because Erson's going to want to be a starter at some point, just like Bobrovsky right. did yep. when, they, when they had Bruce Goloff, he didn't see a path to being a starter. Right. So he, he wasn't going to resign. So they had, that's why they had to trade them. 
I you know, you just I think you just have to be careful with it. So the net is the one thing that I wouldn't touch for everything else is on the table for me. TK, everybody is on the table, but the net's the one thing that I don't touch for at least through next season, because, yeah. you know, you've seen right. situations before where, you know, Jonathan Quick's at the top of his game and um, who was it? Bernier that was behind him. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, let's trade Jonathan Quick because we have this guy coming. Well, that wasn't, you know, yeah, that wasn't Bernier the right move up. to make. Yep. And I'm sure they're glad they didn't make it. You and know, Longo and Schneider playing. in Vancouver. <laughs> like, trade Longo. Schneider's coming. Well, Schneider can't sniff Longo's jock. Like, yeah. Well, same thing in LA with Cal Peterson. And, yeah. You know, it, 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 it's the hardest position to predict. It's, it's like voodoo, you know? And when you know you got a guy, and goalies are so capable of going on a heater and then not being that. We've seen it time and time again, whether it's Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar, I mean, (laughs) Jim Carrey back in the day. Wow, wow. I mean, there's tons of them. Um, Sustainability at the NHL level is a goalie's the key. So, Danny, you're you're good on the goalie situation, right? Well, yeah, JC, you you and I have gone back and forth on the the goalies. We we can maybe have a separate show on the goalies entirely. But, no, to be clear, clear, though, I I am a huge Carter Hart fan. And I'm and for years this franchise has looked for a franchise goalie. Now we might have two. I mean, Ursan has looked terrific in a limited role. I totally understand. My only qualifier with Hart and Jason, I, I mentioned this to you, is you know, you know, where we drafted him and coming out of the uh, Canadian program and all the accolades. He, he's a terrific young goalie, but you know, he might be the third best goalie in our division, guys. Could be. My po- my point there is is just that while I think he's terrific and in the bubble he was unbelievable and, he, and he's a terrifically sound goalie. Jason, you bring this up all the time. Is he an elite goalie today in the league? I, I don't think he is. If you ask any hockey pundit, he's not a top five goalie in the league. My point is if something came along to acquire high-end talent and Sam Urson had 50 NHL games under his – belt i'd listen that's all i'm trying to say yeah i mean it it, i think i think the way you prove if you're a leader or not is in the playoffs and he's only had the one playoff run he was great in it he was so he he played well in under that spotlight the you know that's that that's where that status is earned to me in regular seasons and i mean it's great to do well there but i mean the reason why vasilevsky's a legend is the game sevens where I mean, I think he gave up. He he's lost like one out of his last ten game sevens. Yeah. <laughs> insane, thing. insane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, or not even game sevens. It's just closeout games. It, it, he's got like he had like six out of seven games were shutouts. I mean, yeah. just absurd, Ridiculous. otherworldly. Yeah, I mean, then you see goalies like Matt Murray with Pittsburgh, who you know was really good in that structure, lost his way, and the goalie can lose his way. He lost his way, and the way he played and the game developed in a way that didn't help him with more East West. So. Um, it, with hard, it's, it'll be interesting to see how the whole thing does play out and, you know, going forward with him and got to, but again, you got to put the team in front of him. I think the structure has benefited him a little bit this year. All right, guys, let's get to our last thing, our, our kind of our closing uh, thoughts here. Um, and this is really simple. What's the plan moving forward? And let, let's start with you, Mitchell. What, what's the Mitchell plan moving forward? The plan moving forward. I... You know, it's it's tough, right? Because there's a couple of different directions. Do you do you scrap it and you know whatever? But you know, I, I think we get what we can from some of our expiring you know assets this this season. I, you know, I think we're I think we're like five to seven good creative moves, and, and and emphasize on the good creative because we can't keep making these mediocre moves. But I think we're five to seven you know good creative moves from being somewhere that's exciting. And I don't know if that that means the top of the league, but it means somewhere exciting, right? So we, we move who we can this year at the deadline, you know, JVR. If we can get something for Hayes, you know, where we're holding the cap and we get some value back for him, that might be something to worth because it also improves our our draft spot. Ideally, this year gives gives us a chance to play some more of the younger kids more than we already have on the roster already, which I just think again. It allows us to see who we're, who we have, and who's a part of the plan moving forward. So let's 
let's buy into getting assets to to make our team younger and and more skilled. You know, and you know the stop gaps that we've had been using for the past couple of years. I'm I'm you know fed up with it. I'm done with it. So. You know, I, just, I, I want a clear direction. You know, I think the first step, like Dan has mentioned a couple of times, find a new GM, right? Like we, we, we need someone at the helm that is not vanilla like Chuck Fletcher is. You know, we need someone creative, yep. you know, like what Yeiserman down, did down in, in Tampa that they're reaping all the success from. Like someone, you know, I forget who's the GM of, of the Rangers right now, but someone that's creative that can that can work other gms Drury. Drury. yeah yeah Drury. so you know someone that can work other gms instead of us getting you know i feel a lot like of that work. work was done by jeff gordon but yeah. true yeah true true so I mean, you know the rangers rebuild's a little different too because you know they send the letter to the fans and we're gonna take a step back and they trade McDonough and they, they trade all these players but then panarin goes i'm coming to new york he was only going to new york they knew that yeah uh, it, so part of those trades were a little, that letter was a little disingenuous knowing they had to clear the cap space so they could sign Panarin and then Fox forced his way there. And then you have Shesterkin coming over to Rye's point that, um, or Dan's point that, you know, the goalies in the division, I mean, Shesterkin and Sorokin, I don't know if people know that about Sorokin as much as they know about Shesterkin yet, but Sorokin may end up being better. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Flyers have a guy over there right now doing the same thing. Those guys did at the same age yeah. in Kolosov. Now he's been playing three years now in the KHL has very similar to those guys numbers at the same age too. So um, another guy that could be on, on the come for the Flyers in net and you can never have enough there. Danny, what's the plan moving forward? Right, let me guess. You're going to start with the general manager. What are you going to start with the owner? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to mention the owner of the general manager. I'm just going to move on from that. But that is certainly part of my plan. And my and my, my other part of my plan is really twofold, guys. It's, it's easy. We need to clear cap space and acquire high-end talent. Very simple. It's okay. simply said it's hard to do. I'm not saying it's simple to do, yeah. but they need to somehow get rid of some of these deals. I don't know how. Chuck Fletcher is not the guy to do it. And they need to hire, you know, get a lark and get a – Get a pasta. They got to get a guy like that in Philadelphia. As to how to do that, I don't know. And Larkin's an interesting one. I like him. You're not going to get um, Pasternak. There's no. no way they let him walk. They'd be fools. He's just so insane. Um, but Larkin is, you know, careful though dealing with Eiserman. <laughs> there, there's certain GMs I go, just be careful dealing with that guy. You know what I mean? Right. You could be think you're getting. You, you could think you got a deal. And and you got a, the good end of it, and you find out that no, <laughs> you know something right. that I didn't. Uh, uh, Brian, what's what's the plan? Yeah, so I, I mean, I think I've said it a couple times now, but you just there needs to be a level of creativity that you know I don't think Chuck Fletcher has. Um, I'll, I'll give him and Flair a lot of credit that I do think they are solid drafters. Um, not great, but solid. They're 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 picks hit. They're NHL players. Um, I would leave the goal alone, like I said, for at least a, a whole season here beyond this one, um, because you have stability there and why mess with that. But then, you know, just finding creative hockey trades, you look at a team like Vancouver, that uh, is, it's like the Flyers and the Canucks are competing to see who can be more of a dumpster fire at certain times. Um, but there's trades to be had there. You know, we, we have a, a so much depth that left-handed defense you take a Sandheim or, or a Provorov and, and you bring a Besner in, um, you know, and that opens up spots for guys when they're ready on our left hand, you know, on the left hand side D. I actually am in favor of trading both Provorov and Sandheim uh, <laughs> because I think they're both second pair defensemen. And I think Cam York's a second pair defenseman and they all play the left side. So yep. Yorkie's been playing the him. right side a bit. He's been playing the right side, but I think he's just a better player on the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's advantages in the offensive zone to being on the right side and there's a, a disadvantages to being on the right side defensively because obviously because your sticks in the middle of the ice and and you get you end up on your backhand on certain rims and stuff like that too so absolutely uh, but he I said he should play uh defensive center when i told him i said <laughs> why don't you just play on the right side in the offensive zone and on the left side defending and he said um yeah he said uh frosty suggested that he should be a defensive center <laughs> I love that. I would, um, but you take Provorov, uh, for example, and I don't think, you know, not getting into that, but I don't think he's really tradable until at least the off season. Now that's definitely not an in-season move and probably wasn't before anyway. Yeah, agreed. But you, know, you look at a team like LA that has a lot of 
you know, solid right-handed defenseman prospects that, you know, and you might be able to get a pick back for him too. He's cost controlled. He's got a little bit of term and, you know, the guy's a good player. He's a good NHL defenseman. Um, the thing about him too, he's always available. Absolutely. Plays every game. Yeah. If I'm a GM, I'm not trading for a guy. I don't know if he's going to be on the ice or not. No, he might not warm up, but at least he's going to play in the game. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I had to sneak that in there. Sorry, Jay. Very good, um, very good. That was <laughs> well-placed. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a path there. I think you, you get rid of that log jam on the left side of your defense a little bit, maybe bolster the right side of your defense a little bit. I've actually come around on wrist aligning somewhat. The guy's playing good defense. In the right role. He's not a $5 million a year player, but they paid market for him and he's playing good defense now. And then, yeah, to what Dan said, you got to find a way to get rid of some cap. To me, that's Kevin Hayes. Uh, and that might mean eating some money, yep. but this team is, you know, he's got what three years on his deal after this one, this team ain't mm-hmm. winning a cup in three years. So if you can get a little bit of cap space in that three years uh, and maybe get an asset back from, even if you don't uh, and open up some cap, that goes towards re-signing a guy like Besner if you get Besner. So, I mean, it's, it's this spider web that I have in my head, this conspiracy theory of, <laughs> of crazy. But Paul Holmgren did it, so I yeah. think there's there's, See, that, there's the other thing. That, that'll be the last thing I mention here, and then we'll wrap up, is that Flyers fans are so conditioned that when there's a shiny toy, you have to go get it. That Why are we conditioned that way? Because that's what happened for – Years, decades and decades, right? It didn't matter who it was, whether it was Adam Oates or Dale Howarchuk or Paul Coffey. I mean, you could put together an alumni team of right guy, wrong time flyers that is Hall of Fame worthy. (laughs) I'm not going to put Forsberg in that because he was, I mean, he still had more than a point per game. I think he had like 120 points in 100 games as a flyer. He couldn't find a skate to fit his fucking foot. (laughs) <laughs> and stay on it right and he still dominated like yeah. but that guy's a freak show right um but we're conditioned that when there's something available they got to be in the mix to get it right. they got to which was why this summer with Gaudreau and Debrinket and everybody was freaking out um I mean I think I think most people would see now I, I know some don't but that getting Gaudreau was not the right thing to do for this team a 29 year old undersized winger wow. that wasn't going to help them. I mean, I mean, look at the the standings right now. You look at the fact that the Flyers, without Goodrow and without Couturier and without Atkinson, which we didn't know at the time that Atkinson and Couturier wouldn't be available, the Flyers are way ahead of them in the standings. And I know they're injured too. Flyers have had their share. Flyers have had, actually have more man games lost to injury than Columbus has, but he hasn't fixed anything there. True. And one player's not going to do that. Yeah, Columbus 20. I mean, Jesus Christ, 28. Flyers have 45 points. Columbus has 28 points. I think they're behind Chicago now. I think they fell behind Chicago. Last night they did, yeah. Yeah, Chicago's now got 30. They're the worst team in the league. Yeah. They're going to get Bedard, and they'll go, oh, see, you should have got Goudreau because you could have ended up with Bedard. (laughs) (laughs) You'll make that leap on me. (laughs) I Uh, I can't wait for that tweet to come across your board there, Jay. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just trying to ignore as many as I can, but <laughs> it's uh, it's tough, guys. You guys did awesome, man. This was so much fun. Uh, I got, I got, so I got a message here from Michael. Says, uh, thank you for doing this and giving the fans a voice on the hockey. Boys, you're doing great. Stick taps to all. Great job. I got, I, I got a, I got a text message from Raider Frank. You guys know Raider Frank? Yep. No. He's a lunatic on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> But he's awesome. Uh, he's a great guy. And he said, these guys are great, Jason. They really prepared and are all very well-spoken, oh, smart, nice. level-headed guys. Oh, he said, everybody but Danny. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that. But, um, but no, Jason, great this job. This is a blast, guys. man. Yeah, yeah. Jason, thank you thank so, you much, so Jason. much, Jason. really appreciate this. Thank you. Awesome stuff. So there we got Mitchell on the bottom left. Out in Pittsburgh, we got Brian. In the bottom right, looking like he's hanging out at Michael Corleone's uh, compound there. <laughs> and we got Denny up in, uh, we're North Jersey now, Dan? Uh, I'm in Manhattan right now, but yes, uh, North Jersey is where okay. I live, yeah. Awesome job, guys. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Jason. Thank appreciate you so much. There it is. The first Flyers Fan Forum. God damn, that was fun. Great job. We're going to do more. So if uh, you want to get involved in it, 
shoot me a DM. Don't shoot me a DM and just say, hey, Jason, I want to be on the panel. Give me a little like reasoning. Like these guys I already know because I correspond with them on Twitter and I can look and see their stuff. If you're an egg on Twitter and you just say, I'd like to do it and we haven't corresponded before, I need more. Like I'm not just going to grab somebody. So just give me a little something. And um, I, I got some from some people yesterday, um, some good candidates as well. So um, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll do another one of these next Friday and we'll have another great week of hockey talk uh, coming up on Monday. Busy weekend of hockey, Detroit tomorrow. Sunday, the Flyers are back home against the Peg. So uh, we'll have a lot to discuss coming up next week on a brand new episode of Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody have a great weekend. Leave us a five-star rating review, and we'll talk to you next week on Stick to Hockey Live.